welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. I'm putting a lot of faith in my instinct today. Okay. I'm putting a lot of faith in... So, I have not had a cigar today. Okay. I just finished I've, my first one. I've, I've been too busy. Didn't have my morning smoke. Didn't have anything like that. You've just been running and gunning all day. It's It's been chaos from the moment my feet hit the floor this morning. And on, this is the first time I'm getting to settle down. And I went in the humidor and something unusual spoke to me. That is something unusual for you. You know, an Arturo Fuente Canonias Natural. And all the size is presidential. Eight and a half by 54. Uh, Dominican, it's a, um, actually it's a Cameroon wrapper, but everything else is Dominican in it. And I don't know why this particular cigar spoke to me, but far be it from me not to listen. That's right. That's a good cigar. It's, it's not my favorite Fuente, but neither one of us really have a favorite Fuente. We have Fuentes that we will smoke, right? Right. And that's, that's right up there for me. You know, you've got the, uh... I can never remember the name of it. Uh, the Havana something and the Magnamar and that one. I'm trying a punch of unknown origin and not having a lot of success. I have not seen you punch a cigar in a very long time. I would like to get back into it, and I'm just going to have to buy me a quality punch. Zycar makes the best on the market. It's 11 mils in diameter, so it's a nice wide punch. Uh, I really like it. Calibri makes one as well, but I've never seen anyone carry them in stores, and they're only 10 mils, so it's it's a very small difference margin-wise. Um, but theirs is made out of a... The shape is not really conducive uh, to being effective. It's anodized aluminum, so it's more, more lightweight than the Zycar, and I feel like it just doesn't have the oomph behind it. Um, but I'll, I'll show you the one I'm talking about after the show tonight, and I think you would really like it. Well... The problem with this, with a punch, you run a larger risk of damaging your cigar when you, you go do. punch. You do. I almost go punch exclusively box press, but um, I'm just I've decided I'm, I was I I don't have no idea where this punch come from. It was in my office. It's a bullet that screws out to a punch, and I I have no recollection of buying it. I don't know if somebody bought it for me. If somebody lost it, I have no clue. <laughs> But it's not a very good punch. To say the least, what are you going to smoke? So I am actually kind of similarly, I something jumped out. I think it's new to the humidor here because I feel like I would have seen this sooner uh, if I'd been look if, if it had been there. This is a cigar that I have not smoked in a very long time. This is the uh, Esteban Carreras Chupacabra, which I had looked up and then I got off of that page. Uh, so this came out in 2012. It's a, a Nicaraguan Puro. Uh, it's a, uh, this is the Maduro, the Oscuro wrapper uh, version of this. It's got a shaggy foot, which I love, you hate. And it's got a pigtail cap. Like, there's a lot going on with this. A lot happening in that cigar. So Esteban Carreras is a company poised to make a move. But they won't. Now, there's a big rumor I'll have to tell you after the show because the gentleman that shared it with me made me promise not to share it on the show till it was official. 
But just suffice it to say, Esteban Carreras is about to make some major, major moves. I hope so. I really like... Here's my... So there's a shop in town that has Esteban Carreras as the manufacturer of their house cigar. And I smoke a lot of that cigar. I really, really enjoy it. The problem for me with that cigar, and I'm trying to remember if that's what I remember from this cigar, it falls apart in the last quarter. And I don't mean falls apart construction-wise. I mean, the draw gets tight. The flavor goes to nothing. It kind of becomes a one-note chord. They are really great the first two-thirds, three-quarters. And then they just kind of... Just give up the ghost all at once. Yeah. yeah. I, I, can, I can understand that. I guess they I've, run out of goat to suck. <laughs> I've smoked a bunch of the Esteban Carrera stuff, and I like it. I it's, do too. Now, it's not my favorite, but now I do like it. I like the... But if they're poised to make some change... One of the things I really like about Esteban Carreras is this, like I said, it's a Nicaraguan Puro that doesn't taste like a Nicaraguan Puro. And I know that sounds funny to, to be excited about something like that. Just don't smoke a Nicaraguan Puro if, you, if that's what you're looking for. But... There's something about it. It's 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 more creamy than your average. There's not a whole lot of spice. There's a lot of richness and earthiness to their cigars that I really appreciate out of a Nicaraguan. You know, Esteban Carreras and Kristoff both seem to me to smoke a little wet. Mm-hmm. And by wet, I don't mean that. I don't mean they're. I think they're rolled in such a way as to be that. I don't think they're meant to be humidified differently. I think they're at the same humidity, but it just seems to me like they smoke a little wet. Yeah. No, I think that's a perfect observation. So, speaking of perfect observation, i got to talk about... Uh, yeah, there's no segue there. Uh, I'll get, uh, you tried. The thing that made me happy in the news last week happened, of course, like two days after we recorded the show. All right. And all, and that is McAuliffe Cigars has pulled all of their online presence gone. I absolutely love this. You and I were in here on Friday, I think it was, talking about this and just how excited we are for them to have done this because well, they did it right. Well, not only have they pulled their online presence, they've bought back the stock that the, that the online places had. Yeah, it wasn't even a, we're going to phase this out. It's a, nope, we're done. Give us our stuff back. And the thing that I really like about this is because, you know, McAuliffe as a brand is very aware of what their customers like and, and meeting them in their own sandbox. And so there are a lot of people, you and I are both members of the McAuliffe Ambassadors Facebook page, and half of the posts per day are... Hey, I live in XYZ, you know, sticks, and my local brick and mortar doesn't carry your sticks. Where can I get them? You know, and and there's a lot of that that happens. There's a lot of people that really love the cigar and can't get their hands on locally. So not only did they pull all of their stuff and buy it back from the online retailers, they set up a network which has inventory control measures in place so that someone can go on, not really go online, but they can utilize this network to find brick-and-mortar retailers who are willing to ship. Right, which is a a great deal for the brick-and-mortars. It's a great deal for McAuliffe. I mean, and Al is just, he's he's really intelligent. He's a smart businessman. He gets it. He gets that the cigar community is about people 
Yeah. And that if you want to be successful, make a good cigar, but take care of your people. Yeah. And this is great because it takes care of his customers. It also takes care of his retailers and it makes everything work. This is, I, you know, and I, I know that you were making fun of me when you put your note in the show notes, but this is really people <laughs> over profits. Yes, I was making fun of you. I know. I but understand. There's times it. like those I need a sarcastic font. <laughs> but sarcastic nothing because that's exactly what he did. It is. I mean, it. it is... It is Al doing now. Al has a lot of money from previous businesses. He has a luxury. I refuse to judge other guys that don't do this. Don't just, let's not make the leap of, okay, but if Fuente still sells them through Cigars International, that makes Fuente less good than McAuliffe. No, there's a difference. I think it does. No. Because at some point, the rubber's got to meet the road on keeping the doors open, keeping the people employed. It does. If you're a small business like McAuliffe, if you're a boutique cigar company like McAuliffe, you have more latitude and you have an owner that has a lot of money. So you have a lot of latitude that somebody else may not have. Yeah, but you compared it to Fuente, and I don't think that's an accurate... Now, if you wanted to compare it to Esteban Carreras... Roma Craft, Esteban Carreras, yeah. uh, any yes. other boutique player. Yeah. And all. I mean, there is a place for online cigars and all. And Mikhail said that's not our sandbox, and that's awesome. Yeah. But I'm not. Just, you don't have to be all things to all people. Well, yeah, and it's, it's the problem with life right now. People seem to think you have to be at one polar opposite or the other. Um, the guy that left last week when we told him we wouldn't talk politics never came back. Left, Did he not? All, left all of a cigar and a beer sitting there and never, I asked Sean the next day, I said, he ever come back? He said, no, he never came back. Wow. And all, because he's all the way to one side, you're all the way to the other. I I'm am in the not middle. all the way to oh, one. Oh, you're way to the no, other. No, I am not. <laughs> you just use the phrase people over profits. You're way on the left. <laughs> I am not. That You're is so not, far on the that, left, you can almost see the other side of the right. That is that is so far from the truth. And the fact that you think you're centrist is hilarious to me. Oh, I'm right down the no, middle. No, you Fair are not. equitable. If it, all I do is put everything through my logic filter. If it makes logical sense, I, I believe it. If it doesn't, I question it. Pretty simple. <laughs> and I'll, speaking of could go either way. All right. And I'll say, okay, Mr. I'm not on the left, then let's hear how you respond to this second story. Set him up for this. Trump administration. You, you, assume, <laughs> you assume because his name is in this article that I'm going to have a rabid opinion about it. And the fact is, I just don't. <laughs> well, I let think, me get the name of the article. All right. See, he infuriates you so, you people on the left. Infuriates y'all so. You couldn't even let me get the name of the article. No, I'm angry at you, not him. <laughs> See, it transference. I understand. I will. It'll be okay. Trump administration bans Americans from legally bringing back Cuban cigars and rum. Which uh, I do. I, I, I love the way, and by love I mean hate, the way this headline is written. Wait. If it's banned, is it still legal? Well, it's it's banned from legally bringing back. So he makes it Ill- <laughs> It's just a weird well, no. choice of words. Well, you're not banned from owning them because that you know they're not going to come out and say, hey, if you bought Cubans six months right. ago when it was legal, you now have to throw them in the garbage or right. be arrested. Um, I'm okay. This is a nothing burger. I mean, I'm 
I would love to think the president's got better things to spend his time on. I'd love to think that anybody has better things to spend their time on. Me too. So why isn't this, he doing it? I mean, this is, see, again, Trump bashing. I did way that on the for left, you. Way I, on the left. Oh, man. Don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to deal with all this. <laughs> no, but Here's the thing. I, I do think we should open trade back up with Cuba. I, I do. I don't see, you know, the Red Scare is over. Despite what you hear on the news, it, you know, we do business with plenty of other countries that have similar types of governments and regimes in power. So why we are still holding on to some draconian... Well, it's, you know, it's simple. We don't do business with any other communist regimes that's within 130 miles of our land. If Cuba launches a missile, we cannot shoot it down quick enough. Okay, but I don't think... If China launches one, we got a day and a half to get ready. But this, but this, this goes back to my thing that we were talking about after the show a few weeks ago. I am very much pro-diplomacy. And I think the way you keep from, you know, from having a missile launched at us from Cuba is not by enforcing or reestablishing an embargo that was lifted under the previous administration. I think it's by opening the doors to diplomacy. There's no reason why we should still be, have the embargo with Cuba. I say just lift okay, it. But here's the thing. They're never going to buy the cow if the milk is free. So this is a valid part of diplomacy. Hey, we're cutting you off. Now, you either propose to us, make a proposal, or you stay cut off. But it's been 60 years at this point. Okay. So it's... And it's also been a dictator ago. Yeah. So, to say it's been 60 years, okay, but 60 years under the same communist regime means nothing. If you're willing to but kill I'm people say, when they disagree with you, you know, then but, there's, no, there's no way time has any relevance. No, but, I'm, I'm say, but you also mentioned the fact that it was a dictator ago. The person who the original beef was with is no longer in power. His brother, who's just like him is. So, but, but he hasn't necessarily been the, the one that we've had the, the issue with through the, for the whole time. Because the, we've other, had him under embargo but, and he had the but opportunity. The reason, the reason, but the, the embargo being lifted is not going to say, okay, now I can start killing people again. My point is... It's been 60 years, and nothing has changed. There's been no olive branch on either side. You know, nothing's nothing's going to change, and especially now, it just seems like there was no... There wasn't any watershed moment that led to this decision. This was just sort of arbitrary. Like you said, there's a lot more important stuff going on right now than this, and it just seems like it just out of place... And, and, like, it doesn't really hold a lot of weight. So this goes back to what I was talking about, my filter. There's some facts here that we don't know. Now, my belief is this is the first step in doing exactly what you're talking about. But Trump was going to always, like any good businessman, negotiate from a place of power. Shut them down. Then let's talk. See, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I see, I see it completely differently. But I'm not going to tell you why, because you're just going to use it as ammunition. You mean the truth? How dare I? <laughs> How dare I use the truth as ammunition? <laughs> Tell you what. And all. But anyway, okay, fine. Then you pick the next article. All right, let's talk. Let's talk Tatawahe. So um, everyone who knows about Pete Johnson and Tatawahe knows that they are sort of famous for the monster series. They've been doing it since what two thousand and. 
13? Uh, yeah, so 2008, 13 cigars ago. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. Um, and basically every year it was a new release, similar blend, but slightly different. And uh, they kind of ran through the Universal Monsters a couple years ago. Was last year the last one? No, this year was supposed to be the last one. Or no, last, yeah, last year was the last one, The Bride. Right. And so apparently when he first started the Monster Series, he had always intended to do an actor series to go along with it. So, you know, where you've got Frankenstein, you'd have Boris Karloff. Where you'd have Dracula, you'd have... Um, oh, that's, that's embarrassing. What's that? Uh, I forgot the actor's name. Bela Lugosi? Thank you. And uh, <laughs> I, I should never have... Fr- like, that. that's... Anyway, um, but it never got any further than Boris. So he's recently released uh, this year. I love when they get you so mad you can't think straight. <laughs> I love when on the front end of the pod I can get you that mad. It makes me happy. Apparently, uh, 4,000 dress boxes of 13 cigars um, at about 13 bucks a stick. The Karloff. Okay, so Tatawahi's entrance... Let me show you how that should have went. Tatawahi's entrance into the Monster Series this year is called the Karloff. There's going to be 4,000 dress series. boxes. It's a different series. Yeah, but it still has to do with monsters. So You know, Stan Lee once said, every comic book is someone's first comic book. Okay. Every cigar cast is someone's first... I have to set up the... You don't know what amount of information people are bringing in to listen to the show. I want to make sure we're setting the stage here. So the Karloff, they're going to produce it just like the rest of the Monster Series with 13 cigars with 4,000 dress boxes, and then they'll have the regular boxes out there, which are pretty easy to acquire. Um, Good cigars, we always famously have the Monster game here for poker. Um, I hope we can get poker up and running in time. I think we're about at the point where we're just going to start playing, and he'll either have to shut us down or leave us alone. (laughs) We're kind of to that point. But the um, Monster Series and Boris Karloff, you know, famous, famous character actor. Um, they, so the interesting part about this article, man, we have totally lost track tonight. I think it's that somebody's talking in my ear over here beside me. Really, yeah, they, like, It's I, like they can't see there's microphones yeah. at work. Well, they were here first. Okay, but there's microphones yeah. here. There's a limited amount of places we can set up microphones. Um, so he made an agreement with Jeff Borowitz, who owned owned Corona Cigars in Florida. And the Boris was actually a cigar name Jeff already owned. Mm. So he worked out a deal with Pete Johnson to be able to use the name Boris. Now, isn't that great? Isn't that a, I don't know why they put that in this article, but that's just great. Two guys working together, figuring it out. I'll have you know that I knew that was your favorite part of this article, which is why I did the big lead-up to let you have it. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, All right, you want to talk about drive-in theaters? We certainly can. Let's do it. Okay. Um, you just want to get You just want to get So this is an article that came out this week from Cigar Aficionado, and I really like it um, for a couple of reasons. It, it's talking about the second coming of drive-in theater. And have you been to a drive-in theater any time recently? No. Not in 20 years or more. See, we went last year. Probably 30 years. We went to one last year. They were doing a uh, a double feature of Back to the Future and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
have there ever been two better movies to do a double feature with? I mean, those are just iconics, iconic classics. Um, anyway, so one of the things that I have noticed through listening to podcasts throughout the whole pandemic is that a lot of the podcasts I listen to pretty much thrive on a live show environment. We don't really have that necessity with our format, but a lot of people do. And so a way to get around the social distancing requirements, the shutdowns of the comedy clubs and other things has been to move to drive-ins. You set up a stage right in front of the screen with a camera that projects it up on the screen. Everyone sits in their own cars with their own people that they you know, don't have to worry about being socially distanced from. And they're allowed to enjoy live entertainment that way. And I think it's a brilliant use of a space and a and an industry that was pretty much dying. I'm good with it. Um, you know, I've not been, it's not my thing. I don't want to sit in my, I, I'll wait for it to come out on DVD. I don't want to sit in my car and watch a movie. I, there's no romance to that for me. I'd, I'd much rather sit on my back porch. And I'll, so, um, but you know, I understand the need. You know, Burt Kreischer was the first one to really get on board with this. He started the summer drive-in tour. Yeah. And all doing that. And since then, there's been a lot of people come alive doing that. And that's okay. They've got to, hey, they've got, as long as the the mayors are shutting down the city for nothing, they've got to come alive and do that. And (laughs) as was proved by emails from the national mayor's office this week. Which was also uh, retracted and proved to be false. No, it was on News Channel 5 yesterday morning, the emails in entire. Yeah, and it, they have since retracted that story because after, it was completely show, fabricated. After the show, you're going to have to show me the proof. So, the reason I bring this up on the cigar cast is that um, one of the things that that you know we had a couple months ago, we were kind of talking about the you know cigar cast theater, right? right. And there are certain movies that lend themselves to smoking a cigar through the duration for the better enjoyment. The drive-in theater may end up being the last bastion of the cigar-smoking movie enthusiast. Because, and, I, and I've, there are a couple that are highlighted in this article, and I checked with the local one here in Nashville. They all allow smoking. Which, why wouldn't they? It's my car. Well, yeah, but it's your car on their private property. They have the ability to restrict that if they want to. So they're going to come up and peck on my window and say, hey, you can't smoke cigars right here? They very well could, yeah. This is one of the reasons I ain't been to one in 30 years. <laughs> they should they should be very happy to have customers. But they do. That's my You know, and there's, the, there's that. We talked about this before the show, and I must bring this up. Um, I don't smoke in front of children. Why not? What's the... what? I mean... Is little Jimmy so fragile in his desire not to smoke that the second he sees you fire one up, he's going to rush to? That's not what it's about. It's not about influence or anything like that. It's the fact that not everybody enjoys smoke. And I recognize that. So I tend, so I don't smoke around kids. Number one, because it has been proven to be linked to asthma in developing kids. And, and number one, it's just kind of a respect thing. So if the kid's in the car next to you, are you okay to smoke? I mean, if you're not, if you and the kid are in separate cars. That's a, but at a drive-in theater, you're rarely in the car. You park and you, some people stay in the car. Other people put chairs out and things like that. You're, it, essentially, you're, you know, as close as you and I are to somebody else. 
Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I can I'm understand not, why. I'm not saying blow the blow the stogie in Junior's face, but I am saying that if I am outdoors and I'm somewhere that I'm you know I'm already four foot ahead of him height wise, and the, the smoke is going up, and I want to smoke a cigar, then that's that shouldn't be an issue. I shouldn't curtail my smoking because Junior might see the act of me putting one in my mouth. It's not about Junior seeing the act of smoking. It's about the fact that not everybody wants to be around smoke. So if if I were going to a drive-in theater and, and I was planning on enjoying a cigar while I watched the movie, I personally would choose a place, a, a parking spot that was a little bit not right in the middle of everything. That's very and reasonable. I would, and I would be cognizant of the people around me. And the, there is a certain... The, so, we're talking about two separate issues here. There is an amount of consideration for your fellow and, man and, who may or may not like smoking. And that's all I'm talking about. And then there are the people that are like, I don't want children to see people smoking. That's not what I said. Okay. I had to clarify. Your position, I have to always be clarifying. Reeling you back in from the, the furthest left reaches of the spectrum. So... How, how's that Savon Carrera now that I got you good and ticked? It, it's, it's, it's fine. We're going to take a break. <laughs> I'm going to go get some water, take a lap, and uh, we'll be back with more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week I want to talk about the Gilberto Oliva Reserva. This cigar, this came out, what, two years ago? I believe so, yeah. And uh, it is, the wrapper is an Indonesian Sumatra. 2012. There you go. The wrapper is an Indonesian Sumatra. The binder, it just says Habano, and filler is Nicaraguan. So they're not giving us a lot, but this was a tribute to Gilberto Oliva. This was kind of the tribute to his life and his smoking. It is a brilliant medium-bodied cigar. It is. It's just a good smoke. It's a good even smoke. Um, never had construction issues with one of these. They've always smoked through very cleanly. Yep. Just really have always enjoyed this smoke. Cigar.com right now is, to give them an, an unpaid plug, they're running a heck of a deal. A box of 20 Toros for eighty six ninety nine. Yeah, that's, that's quite like a deal. That's like $4.70 a stick. Yeah, you'll usually find them in your brick and mortar for around 7 yeah, they're usually right around that price, so they're running a heck of a deal on them on Cigars.com. But until next week, try the gear Alberto will leave a reserva. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who once was a victim of a drive-by meditation, Mr. Trey Didden. <laughs> they they were thinking aggressively at me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, uh, I was watching. So I've been watching um, reruns of some show on TV, and this last re- or Big Bang Theory. That's what I've been watching reruns <laughs> of. And they had this show Last Resort on TBS, and this chick who's so full of it is, I'm going to guide you through this meditation, and I'm going to help you find out your inner demons. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if she could like do that on drive-by? Hey, you're fat, and your mama don't like you. <laughs> you know? I, just, I just think that would be awesome. I think if I had that power, I would definitely use it for evil. For evil, yeah. <laughs> definitely. So There was an episode of Seinfeld that was similar to that. There was a guy... 
and apparently he had these horrible breakups. Right, he was a bad breaker upper. Yeah. yeah, and because he would just he would pick out that one thing that you were insecure about and had no way of knowing <laughs> it, and it would just destroy you. Oh yeah, yeah. That everybody hated him, mm-hmm. and you hate him by the end of the mm-hmm. show. It's really, really good writing. Really, the brilliance of Larry David. So. Uh, official retraction. This is the benefit of being in the middle of the road like I am. You can retract. You are right. The Nashville mayor story was debunked. Mm-hmm. And also, correct, Trey was correct. One for the liberals. So, moving forward. <laughs> okay. That's the last time I'm going to reference that. I don't want to beat it to death, but I did enjoy picking on you about it. Actually, in all honesty, everybody, Trey is left-leaning but he can, he does have some... I was, ha- I was having, as long as we're going to get into this, I, and it's fine. I, did, I was having a conversation with somebody on Saturday about, the, we were talking all nature of politics over a cigar. It was, it was phenomenal. And th- this person identifies as a libertarian, and I was kind of saying how I feel like I've outgrown that a little bit. Because there are some things about the Libertarian Party that I don't necessarily align with anymore. But that's that's true of any political. You're never going to fully align. And the guy goes, yeah, you're pretty liberal. And I said, no, I have liberal ideas, but I don't believe in legislating them. And I think that's the difference. You know, most of the time people th- talk about people who are liberal. It's they, they want to legislate morality and they want to, th- you know, pass all these. Re- the thing is, I don't. I just wish people would be nice to one another. Yeah, and as long as it, as long as it's perfectly okay to wish for people to be nice, but you're never going to force people to be and, nice. And that and that's really that's you know so oftentimes I will pick up the mantle of perhaps you know a more liberal position uh, because I feel that way, but not because I feel like we should force other people to be that way, but because that's how I feel. Well, and I'll tell you, it is equally frustrating for me to talk to somebody like the guy that was with us last week who's so far to the right there's no good for him right as it is to talk to somebody so far to the left that there's no good for him we should never be so entrenched in our own beliefs that we can't hear dissenting opinions sure that's the nature of business so that being said explain this article to me three flavored cigar companies sue philly over law restricting sales to kids okay first Whoever titled this article clearly has an agenda because they make it sound like, hey, we're not going to let you sell Swishers to 10-year-olds anymore. What? We'll sue. Um, Well, it it is from PBS and NPR, (laughs) if that tells you anything. Uh, So apparently Philadelphia passed a law that was um, supposed to limit the sale of flavor cigars to adult-only stores. So basically gets them out of convenience stores. You have to go to a to a porn shop to, to buy your cigar, your flavored cigars. Uh, right. Now, you can still buy regular cigars over the counter. Yeah. Um, and so it also banned the sale of flavored e-cigarettes to minors. All of these things are already on the books, just FYI. The right. prevention it's of sale. It's already against the law. And that's, and that's what this whole thing... This whole thing is based, uh, Philadelphia Health Commissioner Dr. Thomas Farley said that companies that sell flavored cigars and cigarillos target underage kids, especially children of color, by producing products with sweet flavors like fruit punch and mango. First of all, um, no... Is that not an incredibly racist statement? It is. It is. (laughs) Okay. I just wanted to Um, make sure. You know, these products are marketed to target minority youth. Okay. Tobacco... Marketing and advertising has been banned in this country for 40 years. 
just because it's flavored doesn't mean it's targeting or marketing. You know, we all have worked in an office. Does anybody remember no one ever bringing birthday cake to celebrate a coworker because adults don't like flavors? That Because that's what this guy is suggesting, that once you get above 18 or 21, you don't like flavored stuff anymore. But I can understand the same thing I've said about vaping from the get-go. The flavors do make it more palatable to a younger generation. They do. But being more palatable to and being directed at are two very important distinctions. And because we see, you know, we were talking about, and we'll, we'll get to it later in the show, you know, your wife smoked flavored cigars for a very long time and only recently kind of moved away from that. There are plenty of adults who prefer those flavors, and they should be allowed to smoke them. And, and I, I, I agree with this, this lawsuit because it's saying that just by virtue of the fact that it might attract kids doesn't mean that it's necessarily targeting them. Um, yeah, and here's the thing. This, this is laws for the sake of laws. Mm-hmm. I'm in favor of suing this guy just for the fact that he's making a redundant law. Okay, it's illegal to kill somebody, and it's really illegal if you kill them with a gun. Exactly. Uh, is is one illegal not enough? <laughs> is there? I mean, it's really, um, yeah, it's kind of legislation for the sake of legislation. It's just wasting everybody's time. And and the other thing is, you know, we were talking. I think it was last week or the week before on the show about you know. Do, should we, should the cigar industry in these lawsuits be working with the machine-made cigar manufacturers? They have a bigger budget. So if, we, if they want, you know, should we all work together or should we stay separate and really bang the drum of the premium cigar exemption, that sort of thing? The reason I like this article, or I don't like the article, but I like what they're, I like the story, is... This, this is the first time, at least in my memory, that a machine-made cigar company is actually leading the charge against blatant, you know, discriminatory is the word, is the wrong word, but that arbitrary type of arbitrary legislation. Yeah, legislation. Yeah, it's, it's strictly arbitrary and capricious. And all this, this is the definition of that. So, and they they pulled out. I, I just the lawsuit alleges that the law has three major flaws: that there were already two statewide laws regulating youth access to tobacco prior to the Philadelphia ordinance; that terms are fatally vague and ambiguous, and fail to define what flavored tobacco is; and that it's irrationally overbroad in the goal to prevent youth access. Those are all very similar things to what has been the lawsuits against the FDA from the premium cigar industry have been. So I kind I like seeing that that we're not alone in the fight. All right. So go ahead and make me jealous and let's talk about the new La Aurora. Okay. So I can neither confirm nor deny that I have had a sneak peek of this cigar, but my this is this is the most anticipated cigar of the year for me. And it, it was even before that point. La Aurora has announced the 107 Nicaragua for the U.S. market. This is the first time La Aurora has ever done a Nicaraguan Puro. And it's going to be hitting uh, October 7th is when it should start, or 6th, should hit the shelves. This cigar, allegedly, may beat the Africa. It's That's bold words. That 
good, so I'm told. Um, the, <laughs> if you had imaginarily smoked one of these, say you had trapped somebody on a bike trip and wouldn't give him his tire pump till he gave you a cigar, what size would he have given you? Uh, I believe it was a, I believe it was a robusto. Okay. It, um, yeah, it was. In fact, the five by fifty. I think if if there had been one, had there been one, it would have been a five by fifty. Yeah. Um, it changes distinctly three times. So you get a little bit of coffee, you get a little bit of a spice, you get some earth. Like it, it is so complex and dynamic, according to my source, that it it's unlike anything you've ever smoked from La Aurora before. Well, La Aurora has been knocking it out of the park. And I'm told, now this is a legitimate I was told because I haven't had one of these. Um, they're coming out with a new Don Lino product potentially in uh, March of next year. And that's supposed to be better than the Africa as well. To build on the success of the Africa. Yeah. Hey, good cigars, good blends, good tobacco will always sell. I do. So this is a cool way to launch the line. La Aurora will be hosting an exclusive private Zoom event with retailers and two members of a podcast to be named later on October 7th at 2 p.m. <laughs> where retailers can smoke and interact with members of the La Aurora sales team and Manuel and Noah to discuss the cigars. Yeah. This do, is, do you think you can get us in on that? I, I'm, I, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I don't have high hopes for that. Uh, but I, I've got to tell you, this. I was... I was already really excited about this cigar, and to know that it lives up to the hype is just that much better. Well, La Aurora has made all the right moves. They're instantly, you know, the, the Africa was the best cigar of the year. The um, 115? Mm-hmm. Is it the 115 or 105? 115. 115. I've smoked a box of those. Those were very good. Yeah. Just great cigars. And the Africa, you know, if I'm, if I'm out of Africa's, I feel like I'm out of cigars. And all, which kind of brings us to a topic I wanted to hit up with you tonight. I wondered which one you were going to next. I'm having trouble with my supply lines of cigars at my home. <laughs> Since my wife quit smoking flavored cigars and now smokes real cigars, as long as she has cigars, she's fine. But I have a humidor. I've probably got... <laughs> probably got 150 200 cigars in my humidor at the house yeah loose cigars and i've got some boxes that account for more than that but loose cigars that i just smoke up but some of them are special some of them are rare editions some of them you know kind of require a moment and inevitably she'll reach for one of those even if it's on the top shelf where i I try to profess to keep those things and i don't mind her smoking them i just want her to smoke the whole cigar Oh. But how many cigars should a person keep in their stock? If you're a one-a-day... Sm- okay, so let's break this down. Yeah, I was about to say, there's a lot of variables that go into this. Yeah, so if you smoke um, one cigar a week, how many cigars? What's the equation? I think it's... All right, we've just come through a pandemic where, I mean, we're still in it, but we're past all the shutdowns, right? Where we were essentially under house arrest for about a month. So I would say always keep, and then some stores were closed longer than that. So let's say 
three months, because in some places they're still dealing with this. Okay, so three months. So if you smoke a cigar a week, so that's 12 weeks. So I would, you know, whatever the maximum amount of time you could conceive of not being able to replenish, having enough to weather that storm. Well, and you're always going to have cigars that you're aging. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a couple of boxes that I've been aging for a while that I'm hoping will will get better and mature out. I've and, got some, and I don't think those filter factor into your count. I, well, when they I are think of because how, sometimes you sometimes you know, especially like during the quarantine, you're like, okay, everything's kind of sucked today. A nice cigar sure would help my day. True, but at the same time, when I consider how many cigars I have in my humidor, I'm thinking of how many daily smokes I have now. Because I do, I've got um, I've got two padrones that I'm aging, and I've got I still have my year of the rat. And I've got a couple of others I'm holding. I don't count those because I'm not just going to reach in my humidor and pull that out. I'm, I'm going to have to. So you're speaking of rotating inventory. Yeah. You know, and I keep, I keep a box of Africas. I had to buy another box of Africas the other day because 90% of the time when it comes time for that afternoon smoke. That's what you want. I'd rather have the Africa than anything else. And I think in something like that, once you get down to that bottom row of the box, it's time to re. Time to, time to get something else. you Because know, it's like they do here. You'll notice when you go into a brick and mortar, they'll actually replace a box before the one is empty, and they'll put the extras just on top of it. And I think if, if you are having inventory controls at your house, I think that's the best way to, to mitigate it. Well, and the... As long as your cigar budget can handle it. Sure. Well, but that's, that's part of deciding what's your regular rotating smoke, yeah. you know. My morning smoke for a while has been the Charter Oak and all Connecticut, and I finished the last box of them about a week ago, and I haven't bought a new one because I'm, I'm slowly winning myself off the morning smoke. Yeah. It's a, the morning cigar is a treat, you know, and, I, and that's really how cigars in general are for, for both of us. You know, that's, it's, a, it's an addition to my day. It doesn't make or break my day unless it's really bad. Yeah, I don't want it to be a... It's this time of the morning I have to have a smoke. Yeah, and that's... So, I love the morning cigar, especially if the weather's nice enough. Sit outside, cigar, coffee, start my day right. Love it. But it need. I, I do think it needs to be... You know, we are creatures of habits, and we're defined by those habits. And, and if waking up, making the coffee, going outside and smoking is part of your morning routine, that has a tendency, or, or that has a potential to filter over into that... Habit more so more so than hobby. Well, you enjoy it less if you just do it every day. Yeah, because there have been days, not recently, but there have been days where I have shoehorned a cigar in just because it was because it was a day that ended in wine. I had to have my cigar. Like, what am I doing? No, you know, yeah. it, it hadn't happened in a while. But there are, you know, I think I think the morning cigar though is a is a pure like that's. That's reserved for vacations and days off and, and times when you can really give it the time. Now, you and I are both have the benefit of working from home or, or more or less working from home, that we have the flexibility to do that more than others. Yeah, I have the flexibility of schedule, but I kind of noticed, because this summer I, I pretty much hit a morning cigar every morning, and I kind of noticed it lost something. So I think I'm going to be reeling that back, that portion Back now, as you reel that back, do you wean yourself down? Do you maybe switch from Gordos down to Toros down to Robustos down to nothing, or do you just cold turkey it? Well, see, that has some habit uh, inclinations to it. I think you just stop doing it. Well, 
and here's the thing. I actually probably will miss the time more than I will the cigar. Well, and that's, that's the thing for me, but I have started, you know, throughout the whole quarantine in the summer, I, yeah, I probably only had four or five morning cigars total. And, you know, so it wasn't anything that I, I really jumped on, like, quite to the extent that you did. But, yeah, I think you... Um, I think you definitely get the benefit of having a consider a, a time set aside in the morning to start your day, where it's just you and your. For me, it's me and my notebook. Whether I'm jotting down ideas or drawing something out or what, trying to figure out what my next move on this project is or whatever, I think there's something to be said for having that type of slow wind up to your day. If that happens to include a cigar, great. But if you're doing it just because you're supposed to have that cigar in the morning, then I think it's time to kind of take a look. And I do think there is something to a morning routine. You know, a lot of people's morning routine includes a devotional. Mm -hmm. And uh, which kind of brings us around to this last little topic I want to hit. All right. Have you noticed that there always seems to be um, smoking... Bible studies and all these shops that they have. I guess the favorite name is Holy Smokes. They're all called Holy Smokes. Are they all called? Is that a, a national thing? It, it must thing? be a thing. I don't know. I guess everybody thinks they're the most creative person in the world for coming up with that name. I, it is what it is. I know there are a lot of shops uh, in in the area that do this. Ironically, the shop owned by a pastor is the one that doesn't. I was wondering if the Abbey had one. I'm, I'm just betting they didn't. No, I think they did for a while. But the great thing about the Abbey is if you want to have that kind of conversation, you can have it in there. Right. Regardless of who it's with or, or what's going on. Um, well, they have a room for that. They do. And, and, and I think there's something, you know, I, I've had... Sorry. When my phone rings, even though I have it on silent, my hearing aids cut out. So it's very distracting to try and record a podcast. I, w- I wondered a- why all of a sudden you went haywire over yeah. there. <laughs> I was going to run in and save you, but I thought it'd be more funny to watch you flounder. There's, you know, I've had several opportunities over the past few months to have just sort of organic, whether it's philosophical or religious or theological discussions that just sort of happen, and I think there's something more to those than oh, it's seven o'clock on Thursday morning. I've got to go. You know, I think there's, I don't know, but that's maybe that's just me splitting hairs. I think it just depends on how you go about worship. I think it depends on what your views of worship are. There are people that really need to worship in groups. Right. There are people that that's the way they're geared, and that's great. That's awesome for them. I'm yeah, all and- for it. And if they want to have a cigar while they do that and do it in a cigar shop, that's awesome. I think it's a, I think it's a cool thing. You know, it's not like you could um, it's not like you could say, "Hey, uh, owner of the bar, bar and grill, will you open early so we can have a couple of beers and do a Bible study <laughs> tomorrow morning?" Well, but there are, I mean, there are groups that do Bible studies in bars, but they tend to do it after work versus you know, so they they time it differently. But that does happen, and and that's the thing. Like, if if for no other reason. You know, I'm not one of those people that feels obligated to worship or study as a part of a group. Um, for me, religion is a, is a highly personal thing, and I like to keep it that way. And so, you know, but, it, but for the, like you said, for the people that need that, 
I like the idea that we're kind of taking the veil off of, well, it has to be in the church building. It has to be Sunday school. It has to be this. There's nothing wrong with smoking a cigar or even having a beer from a t- you know on occasion if you want to. And there's nothing that says that you can't do both of those at the same time. And if that's what it takes to get people to, then it's a net positive. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's cool. It's a, I just wanted to point this out because we'd never talked about it on the show before. It's just one of those cool things that happens organically in yeah. every cigar lounge you come across. Yeah, there's always some guys that want to get together and and do and, devotional, study the Bible, talk about religion. And all that over a good cigar. And I think demographics play into that quite a bit. Sure. When you look at the average makeup of a cigar shop, it kind of lends itself to that crowd. I'd, I'd, I'd hate to think of what they would think of one of us joining in. Well, some, well, now the one at Big Boys, I could walk into that with no trouble oh, yeah, yeah, at all. Yeah. And all, but it just it does. There are some demographics that play. The one here, probably not. Yeah, exactly. You know, but the one at Big Boys definitely could jump into one at. You know, if they had one at the Abbey, everybody could be. No, oh, exactly. It'd be no problem. It'd be hard to keep it on topic. <laughs> and all. Perhaps. All right. This week's speaker will be read, will be preaching Korean Buddhism. <laughs> it's going to be this week's speaker. But, I would I would go to that. <laughs> you do you take a look at Korean Buddhism? I think that no. I think there's a lot to be said for exploring ideologies yeah. that differ from your own. I think. Oh yeah, there, it should. And all. But anyway, okay. Let's review our smokes. We got to be coming up on the time. We are. I. Uh, you go first. So the Canones was perfect for tonight. As a first cigar of the day, I've still got half a cigar left or better. Um, very relaxing, very, very mellow smoke. It's not the best cigar I've ever smoked. It'll never be the best cigar I ever smoked. It's not the worst cigar I've ever smoked. Right. It's just, it's kind of the definition of about a five and a half. Yeah. Um, it's just a good smoke. It's it's worth smoking occasionally. I'm not going to rush in there and pick up another one to have, you know, for one evening when I'm sitting on my back porch or nothing, but just not a bad smoke. See, and I had to take another draw of mine just to give it a fresh of pal- front of palate, front of mind kind of review. And I'm kind of in the same boat. I have not gotten to that point with this cigar yet where it's gone flat. One of the things I do like about this cigar is the amount of smoke that it puts out. And not obnoxiously, but when you draw it in, you really get a mouthful of silky, smooth, creamy smoke. And I love that from a cigar, and it's really hard to find. That's part of why draw is so important to me. It's flavor-wise, I know this is going to sound kind of funny, but I'm getting kind of a dried leaf perfect for this beautiful fall day that we've gotten uh, you know i do uh, similarly i think this was the perfect cigar for me tonight and at around nine bucks it fit the bill to where this can be something i go back to i had kind of forgotten about this cigar there are shops in town that carry it on the regular i'm gonna say five and a quarter yeah just good even smokes and sometimes that's all you need exactly not every cigar you smoke has got to be the best cigar you ever lit. And, and you know what? And I may get down the next inch or so and it not fall flat on me, in which case it would be a five and a half. But I'm still holding back that judgment in case it does what I think it's going to. All right. Well, how do they get a hold of us? You can reach us via email at info at cigarcast.com. We are on facebook.com slash the cigarcast and Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast. Well, thanks everybody for listening tonight. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.